0: Dirty John Season 2, The Podcast, is a series paid for by USA Network and produced by LA Times Studios in support of the television series Dirty John, The Betty Broderick Story. This series tells the riveting and complicated tale of the San Diego mother of four who murdered her ex-husband and his new wife more than 30 years ago. The divorce, crime, and trial captivated the nation and continues to fascinate. The eight-episode series stars Amanda Peet, Christian Slater, and Rachel Keller, who formed the Deadly Triangle. In this episode of the podcast, the actors talk about prepping for their roles. The challenge of playing Betty Broderick was accepted by Amanda Peet. Here's Amanda.
1: Alexandra Cunningham, I I just think she's she's an incredible writer, and um, I could tell reading it that she wanted to tell a complex story. She seemed interested in and willing to show Betty in an abusive light, and she seemed interested and willing to show that Dan wasn't the sole culprit in this tragedy, and she's not interested in vilifying him, but rather taking a really complex look at what led up to this tragedy. Once Alexandra explained to me that she didn't want me to do an imitation it made me feel like the only thing she was really interested in is the psychological portrait. And I think probably most actors are really fascinated by the idea of mental illness and also the idea of what makes someone snap.
0: In order to tell the saga of Betty Broderick, finding the right actor to play Dan Broderick was crucial. Christian Slater explains why he was drawn to the role. I
2: didn't know about this story, but I was immediately uh, intrigued... Uh, what scared me about it is that it's about people uh, who stop communicating. You know? They start to accumulate secrets and just the behavior in our representation of Dan Broderick, the way he comes across is, you know, he's a, a powerful guy, you know, he's climbing up the ladder of success and uh, he doesn't want to look back on, you know, the person that really helped him get there. So there was a level of uh, cruelty. You know, I mean, there's, there's abuse and then there's emotional abuse. And I believe that uh, that was something that they both were, were putting each other through to a certain degree. And it's just a story that you really wish they had gotten some real help. It's certainly a, a tale about lies and the damage that that can do, you know, and how that can really drive somebody crazy.
0: The Broderick marriage was a cruel one, the fairy tale life they led from the outside was not the reality at home. Amanda Peet talks about these conflicts.
1: I think part of the reason people were so fascinated by this tragedy is because Betty Broderick and Dan Broderick had all the accoutrements of a normal suburban life with everything you could want, everything you could hope for. They had children, they had money, they were part of an intimate community. And I think, you know, the discrepancy between how things appeared and what was really going on is really fascinating. And then I also think, you know, a lot of women who grew up in the 50s, no matter how educated you were, you were to sublimate your ambitions into being a wife and mother. And um, for some women, that turned out to be tragic. And in this case, you know, violently so. But I think... A lot of people, including me, are really interested in that idea. If, if you have no identity other than your identity as a wife and mother, and then that gets taken away from you, what could happen?
0: Everything was taken from Betty when Dan Broderick left her for Linda Kolkina, his assistant. Actor Rachel Keller plays
3: Linda. The sad truth is there isn't a lot of information about Linda. It's difficult to play a real person. You do feel an added responsibility to those that knew her. And to her, um, I did feel that pressure. And we did our very best to tell this story as it happened, where each party behaves cruelly and humanly. It was tricky. She was so young, and I'm about, I'm about the age that she was murdered, so I'm thinking, oh, gosh, she had so much life ahead of her. I remember reading that women wrote to Betty in jail, almost with admiration, not condoning the murders, but it seems like she struck a very rich vein of discontent where these inequities in the court proceedings and how rarely women were believed or understood except by the women who were also experiencing that. And while it's it's so sad and horrible that two people were murdered, I think the public identified and can identify with this woman's righteous anger. Betty's case sparked support from
0: some, but her actions, the murders of Dan Broderick and Linda Kulkina, could not be justified. Christian shares his thoughts.
2: It's a cautionary tale. I think it's important for people to be reminded of uh, what can happen. When you do lie, when you do manipulate, when you do keep secrets, when you don't Ask for help, no matter what time period you're in. You know, It could be the 18th century, and, and people would still say, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, or I don't want to do that. It's a relatable topic. I mean, this is what happens. And when you get into somebody's head like that, you can really do some major damage. It reminded me of the movie Gaslight with uh, Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman. You know, there was just an element... First of all, I love that movie, and uh, for me, this was, to a certain degree,
0: an homage to that movie. Getting into Betty's mindset was one of the biggest challenges for Amanda Peet.
1: One of the hardest scenes to shoot was the scene in which Betty yells at her young son, who is staying with Dan, and she basically loses control and is completely inappropriate and verging on abusive. I think the thing I was most afraid of was that I wouldn't let go and that I would try to underplay how abusive she was. I think probably I suffer from this and maybe a lot of American actresses do, this idea that you have to be likable. And, you know, that was something I really wanted to eliminate from my agenda in attacking this role. and. That was really exciting but it's also really challenging to put that aside in a deep way
0: christian slater found identifying with dan's persona was his challenge
1: the emotional
2: problem i suppose for dan was that she unfortunately reminded him of a time when he was struggling and He didn't want to look bad. You know, he didn't want anybody to know his background. He was a secretive guy, you know. I think one of the things that I had going for me was the fact that Dan, at least in our depiction of him, was quite flamboyant. I loved the rose that he wore in his lapel all the time. But then at the same time, I found it disturbing that he would take something from... Betty, that, that she had given him and continued to use that as sort of his, his calling card when he would uh, go into court. You know, there's definitely a level of insensitivity and, and thoughtlessness into that, but it definitely added a certain deeper layer and told me a lot about who this guy was. He wore costumes uh, and he wore masks to appear a certain way in an environment where uh you know, he wanted to look good and, and be successful and, and be the big guy on campus. I mean, the, the style and the look of the 80s and 90s, you know, it was just, it was quite unique. And the other funny thing was was working with some of the, the younger kids on the show, and one of the props we had was an answering machine. And, and uh, you know, these kids were like, what's that? You know, they'd never seen an answering machine, so. At the same time, it's kind of horrifying and and also hilarious.
1: And it's scary makeup. The 80s is very, very scary makeup. It's not like I could come home and just, like, embrace my son because he was like, wow, you look like a clown. You know, with like my 80s makeup, like, melting off of me. And then, like, whether I had been, like, crying and stuff, it would be basically like, you look like the Joker.
2: (sighs) Amanda is uh, a very funny person, so she would always have... uh Unique things to say after a take or if, you know, a line was forgotten or something like that in a particular moment um, that would kind of lighten the mood and uh, make everybody on set laugh. The driving scenes where she's trying to drive me off the road, (laughs) they were hilarious and challenging. You know, we both were still very uh, cautious and, and safe about, you know, making sure nobody got hurt.
1: I mean, Christian is just a sheer, unadulterated delight and such a class act. It was one of the great honors of my career. I hope I don't sound corny saying that, but I, I'm not surprised that he's such a wonderful and thoughtful human being. But I guess, you know, for so long he was just the Christian Slater that I had a crush on in all those 90s movies. He was just so handsome and hot and kind of badass and... The fact that he's such a doting father and so thoughtful to everyone on the set and also so fun, not a goody-goody, like he is for me. I mean, my husband is for me, but then also Christian Slater. The Los Angeles
0: Times Newsroom was not involved in this podcast. The two-episode premiere of Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story is Tuesday, June 2nd on USA Network.